I am excited about this episode today. We all dread mental health issues. But today you'll find out that there is a lot of hope for marriages where one spouse has even significant mental health challenges. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gindel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research and the truth and the answers you're looking for. We have a hopeful episode for you this week. This is episode number 170, and today we're going to be talking about how to work with the reality of mental health issues in your marriage. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed our last episode, we discussed how to be a more grateful spouse and how that really benefits your marriage. So that's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And speaking of upcoming shows, yes, the timetable is a little variable as we've just had a flood in the house. And so our restoration company's on its way and all our recording equipment may be packed up for a week or two or three. We're not sure. Foreseeable future. So we'll try and come back soon, but we are, uh, we're a little struggling right now. Yes. And we don't even have any research for what to do when your house floods, (laughs) but we seem to have a helpful adjuster. So that's a good start. Yes. All right. Let's get into the topic of mental health and marriage. Okay. And get this recording done before all the machinery gets here. So I want to start by talking about how it impacts marriage, like what happens in the marriage for Linda, and and then we'll go towards how we can make this, you know, we can optimize the situation as we face those challenges. Okay. So the reality check is that mental illness in one spouse often has a negative impact on well-being and marital satisfaction for both the mentally ill spouse and the other spouse. Okay. This is uh, recorded from research done in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I said often, not always. Okay. Did I say often? Yes, I did. Yeah. And this effect is actually stronger for the mentally ill spouse. Their own marital happiness can suffer more than that of their spouse. Okay. So, I mean, you might think the quote unquote innocent partner is suffering more, right? But I would think the mentally ill spouse is suffering in every area of life. Right. So this is just one more area. Right. Okay. So your perception is more correct. Oh, I like that. This time. And what we need to share with you is that for both the ill spouse and the healthy spouse, there are specific mediating factors which can account for a lot of that marital distress. And if you know what those factors are, you can use them to help keep your marital satisfaction as high as possible, even when you're dealing with severe mental issues like mood disorders, more severe anxiety disorders, and substance abuse disorders. So okay. knowing these things is helpful. So we're, you know, these are difficult to talk about, but talking about it empowers you is what we hope, what we hope to be able to do here. So the first thing you need to understand is the power of attributions. Now, in episode 162, we talked about the fundamental attribution error. And I Mm -hmm. would suggest if you're listening to this because it's relevant, you should go check out 162 if you haven't done that already. You can get that in your podcast player by looking for episode 162 or go to the website at oif.link slash 162. Now, mental disorders, especially mood disorders like depression or bipolar, they're going to affect how you interpret your spouse's actions and what you attribute them to. Okay. So you need to know about this attribution effect. Mental health disorders can cause people to interpret their spouse's actions more negatively and to attribute negative behaviors to 
to those behaviors being stable parts of their spouse's personality. In other words, like if your spouse was healthy and did something a little offbeat, you might chuckle, right? Mm-hmm. And dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just a little bit unusual, you might ask them about it with curiosity. Like, what was that? Right. right. Yeah. But when your brain has assigned a mental health disorder to your spouse, then you're most likely to assign these other kinds of actions then to the dysfunction or the expression of the disorder. Like that's coming out, right? Okay. This is a lot like the fundamental attribution error Yeah. that we talked about in episode 162. Now, when we do that in this kind of situation, we attribute these things negatively. That will lead to lower marital satisfaction over time. Okay. Now, the researchers noted that levels of depression themselves did not lead to lower marital satisfaction. Didn't matter how depressed the person was, in other Mm -hmm. words. All the change in marital satisfaction was due to the attribution itself. The attribution of their behaviors. To the depression. Oh. So, if, if I can put it in more charged language... It's not the depression that's the problem. It's the blaming of the behaviors on the depression that's the problem. Mm, Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is just something to be aware of. Like, how much am I assigning to the mental health issue? Uh Uh-huh. And I really should be doing a, like a more careful job of understanding what's coming from where and, oh yeah, he always did that or she always did that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Or any spouse would do that. So watch attributions. That's a big one. Okay. Uh, Another thing... Similar is uh, just understanding negative thoughts and views. So people with mental illness will hold a more negative view about themselves and about the marriage. And again, mental illness can affect perceptions so that the mentally ill spouse pays more attention to negative events and disregards the good things that happen. Okay. So again, if you're the, the mentally ill spouse listening to this, if you have the mental health issue, just watch what you pay attention to. Yeah. What do you notice the most of? Hmm. Okay. And all, you know, all of us have to face that issue, right? I mean, you could be at yeah. church and you, you greet 40 people with a smile and a friendly thing and one person blows past you and all you can think about is the one person and you don't give any credit to the 40 mm. that you have good relationships with. Right? right. Okay. Yeah. So we all do this, but people with mental illness can be more prone to this. Hmm. Okay. And it can also give you more negative expectations about the future. So it may just kind of set your brain up to be thinking, oh, this isn't going to work. It's all disastrous and so on. But that may be the for example, the depression affecting your perception rather than fact-based realities. And you can trust the security of your marriage where those thoughts could actually become more self-fulfilling. So really have to watch the negative thoughts and views and how they impact your perception. Yeah. Okay. Now there's also, um, there can be interpersonal difficulties, of course. So anxiety, depression, and personality disorders can all lead to impaired social skills, impaired social skills, I should say, such as, for example, expressing those more negative views or having difficulty expressing emotion, or maybe because you're anxious, you have a reduced problem solving ability, or you have a higher need for reassurance, or you have difficulty and, or you have difficulty accepting and believing the assurances that are offered. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So understanding these things, right? The cycle of repeatedly asking for reassurance or seeking comfort, and then the refusal or an inability to accept that comfort can eventually lead to rejection. And rejection it's rejection by the healthy spouse. Yeah. Because they're just sick of it. Like you ask for this all the time and you don't believe yes. me anyway. So why yes. bother? Yes. Okay. But here's the thing is they're rejecting the cycle. They're not rejecting you. Ooh. There's a difference. Yeah. Okay. But if this isn't kind of sorted, right, or understood in our minds and kind of keeping these parts straight, it can create interpersonal problems within a marriage over time because the non-ill spouse has to constantly reassure and comfort their ill partner without getting as much support in return. Mm-hmm. So that can be going on as well. And... 
and without getting appreciation for the amount of effort required to support the ill spouse. Mm-hmm. So now the good news is, is that training and communication and social skills can lead to improvements in symptoms of mental illness and improve marital functioning at the same time. This is from a study done in 2000. So, so just like it can help any marriage. Yeah. You can learn stuff to uh-huh. offset the impact of the illness. So why not do that? Yeah, exactly. That's accessible. That's something that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of start with helping on this, we've created a bonus guide again for our much appreciated supporters who are interested in going deeper with this subject, right? So this is a great three-page guide. It's full of ideas to help you make the most of the situation that you find yourselves in with the mental health and to really work on bringing out the positive parts despite the challenges. So Mm -hmm. it's going to help you get focused on the right things. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a quick 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we are talking about interpersonal difficulties and how learning social skills can help offset the impact of mental illness in your relationship. So the question, Verlinda, is now how can you support your mentally ill spouse? That's a good question. Yes. How can you support okay. your spouse? So I'm going to give you a few ways to do that, and then we're going to talk about how to support yourself while your spouse is mentally ill. Okay. So the first thing is positive behaviors. And I get that with some mental health issues, it can be hard to do these, but just be creative and resourceful and try to find the the things that you can do. Okay. Okay. So a study in 98 identified five key positive behaviors, which can be used to support a mentally ill spouse. One, enjoyable time spent together. Yep. What are those moments you can create? Number two, positive listening. So that's listening, catching positives, feedbacking on the positive, reinforcing it. Okay. Number three is tangible or practical assistance. Like you may need to advocate for your spouse. You may need to do extra things to assist. Mm -hmm. Number four, self-esteem support. So that's just supporting your spouse's self-identity, right? Challenging some of those beliefs that could come in that undermine, that make them feel worse about themselves. And number five is intimacy and confiding. This is being emotionally open. Okay. With each other. These will help a mentally ill spouse feel supported and they can actually reduce the symptoms of the mental health problem over time. Really? Which is really fascinating. Yeah. Now, another challenge that comes in here that of, of something you can do, which is, I think this one's counterintuitive, but is accepting the issue because expecting or putting pressure on your mentally ill spouse to change creates a higher risk of marital distress. Oh. Change is possible, but it has to be a very gradual process. And then you're going to have challenges and setbacks along the way. That's going to be very likely. Yeah. So expecting or needing your spouse to recover is likely to turn a mental illness into a bigger marital problem. 
Whereas this is the kind of thing where it's like, if you can get to the place of acceptance, you're more likely to create enough room. So there's creativity and you can solve this thing together or learn wow. how to effectively cope with it together. Yeah. If you can't yeah. solve it. Right. Wow. Okay. So that's accepting the issue. Now, the next thing is again, coming back to some practical stuff. So conflict and problem solving. So a study from 2002 looked at 22 couples where the wife suffered from an anxiety disorder, such as agoraphobia. That's one example of them but they all had anxiety disorders and they found that husbands in these marriages were often more critical of their wives and less likely to use positive problem solving skills. Oh, quite interesting. The couples also showed higher rates of negative nonverbal behavior and like facial smirks, okay. dismissive physical okay. expressions, turning away, right? And longer negative exchanges, which is, uh, you know, psychobabble for arguments. They had longer <laughs> arguments. And this then led, of course, to higher marital discord. So working on good conflict resolution and communication skills can make the mental illness less of an issue. Again, we're back to let's get okay. some skills and just, yeah, yeah. And just you know, support ourselves however we can, equip ourselves, right? Similarly, another study from the same year found that arguments with your spouse are a risk factor for the onset of depressive disorder. And having a spouse you don't feel you can turn to or confide in also leaves people vulnerable to depression. So when the frustration grows mm. and there's no acceptance and there's no problem solving, it can exacerbate the problem. Right. Okay. To other issues. So yep. this is kind of like one, making sure you have the skills, but two, I think it's keeping a posture of approachability as much as you can and helpfulness and supporting like, we'll get through this. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. That's what a posture of approachability looks like? Yes. Okay. Why did you think that was funny? Well, it just sounds like more psychobabble. Okay. Mm -hmm. How else would you put it? Um, like, don't push them away. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah, that works. Be approachable. Yeah. And then there's compassion and reassurance. So as we noted above, mentally ill people often need regular reassurance that they're still valued and cared for. But Everybody needs this. Yeah. But would you say a mentally ill person would need it more? Well, they struggle to accept reassurance and comfort when it's offered. Like if you break your leg, it maybe this is a stigma thing, right? Like you can see the cast. Everybody knows you got a cast. It's right. going to come off. Yes. There's uncertainty about mental illness, like when it's going to end, how it's going to go, the course of it. And you don't look like anything's wrong. Yeah. And then people with anxiety or depression, they suffer from negative emotions like sadness, worry, hopelessness, mm -hmm. and also negative thoughts and beliefs about themselves. They're thinking they're worthless or that other people don't like them. That comes in there too, right? So they need reassurance to comfort the emotional side of the illness. Oh. But the thoughts and beliefs that they hold make it hard for them to believe that those reassurances are true. Oh my. It's hard for them to hold on to the thought that they're really loved and supported, right? Uh -huh. yeah. So spouses can continue to offer reassurance and comfort whenever needed. And then it's kind of this task of trying not to get frustrated when the person continually asks for support too, right? So, But then they don't accept it. Yes. Or they struggle, they struggle to, accept, to it. accept it. That's yeah. the disease struggling to accept it. But you're, you, this is where like, you know, the best marriages anyways are selfless and continue yeah. to give. Okay. Right. So this is where, you know, it's, it becomes a challenge for the supporting spouse, but an opportunity to grow and be stretched. Okay. Continually affirming that your ill spouse is loved and valued can slowly change their perception of themselves and help change their negative beliefs over time. So even though the person is asking for support, but they're sure. rejecting and they don't believe it over time, like chipping away at it should yes. change it, could change it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
But the balance in there is to show support and validation to your spouse, but not to your spouse's negative beliefs and views about themselves. So you're doing some nuanced work there too. Yeah. Uh, Normally, like showing that you understand and agree with your spouse's views and perceptions is a good thing in marriage. Yeah. But in this one, when your spouse holds a very negative view of themselves due to the mental illness, you want to show and you show agreement with those views, you can reinforce the view and end up being harmful. So you want to support your spouse and gently challenge the views. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would take some skill. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an investment. That's something you give, right? Now, if you're going to do that, you have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about supporting yourself while your spouse is mentally ill. Now we come back to the subject of mental, of attributions, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mental illness can cause people to say or do things that they would never do otherwise. For example, it may make people more easily angered, more prone to self-destructive behavior, or less willing to engage with their spouse. Now, what you can do is you can attribute these things to the illness now and not your spouse. So we're going the other Mm, way on the attribution here. Yeah, yeah. So you're attributing the negative things to the illness. When you think that negative behaviors are deliberately performed by your mentally ill spouse and intended to cause harm, that's going to create higher distress within the marriage. Mm-hmm. So this is very nuanced as well, but you can learn to separate your spouse from the things that the illness causes them to do and say in order to protect yourself from the distress. So a simple question, for example, you can ask yourself is, is this the illness speaking or my spouse speaking? Oh, yeah. I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit there, though. Did you catch that? Because I'm saying don't blame everything on the illness. And now I'm telling you to blame things on the illness. What? No, I missed that. Well, at the start, I was saying like the fundamental attribution error, it's easy to blame other things that may not be due to the illness on the illness. So don't do that. Oh, Don't make okay. it all about the illness, right? Right, yeah. But now I am saying, well, there is a balance here where you can ask yourself, is this the depression speaking or my spouse speaking? Right, okay. But then that should give you the balance between what you're talking about, like yeah. attributing too much yes. or too little yeah. to the illness. Okay, yeah. that's a good so question. So just nuance that one. You'll, that's a balance that you'll have to figure out in the context of your own individual marriage. Mm-hmm for what works with you there, right? Now, the next thing too to understand is the stigma part. So mental health is often poorly understood or stigmatized by society. And I'm grateful that our society is talking about this more and more. And that can lead to the other spouse feeling isolated or unable to share about the difficulty of supporting their mentally ill spouse. Mm. You may find yourself unable to talk to people. Yep, yep. Or feeling like you're not able to talk to people. And maybe actually like your friends and family may might be unable to understand or accept mental illness. And they might just refer to it in other terms, like thinking that the mentally ill spouse is just stressed or that they just have a weak or anxious character. I have a question about this. Yeah. So would you recommend like telling your family that your spouse is mentally ill? Totally depends on your family, whether they're able to be emotionally mature and provide a thoughtful, supportive response. Like if they can use that information in support of your marriage... And that could be very useful. Okay. If that if that could be used against you or they could be prejudiced or, or do some of the like really blatant attribution assigning kind of stuff, which is not going to be helpful, then you may want to nuance that or just really think carefully about it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So the other thing to be aware of is that as the non-ill spouse, you may discover that some people hold a perspective that you're responsible for your spouse's condition. Oh. Like if you didn't... Um, put so much pressure on her to be such a good housewife, she wouldn't be so anxious all the time. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So 
And I think it, that kind of comes back to the same thing, which is nuancing who you tell what to based on right. your assessment of how trustworthy these people are, how safe they are and supportive they can be Yeah. without you getting unduly isolated or stigmatized in the process. So go for the balance there. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next thing is identity, right? Now, some mental illnesses and some particular spouses, the way they go through them, it can really absorb your sense of self, your identity, because you start to spend all your time and energy supporting your spouse or dealing with doctors, with mental health services, right? Yeah. Now, to cope with this, you need to keep your own person while supporting this other person, right? So we want to help you with your marriage, but sometimes you can help them by helping yourself. Yeah, yeah. And you can do that by developing a balanced relationship where you care for your mentally ill spouse and you pursue your own interests and friendships. It's not wrong to have both of those things happening. Okay. So caring for your spouse becomes part of your identity, but not the full extent of your identity. It's part of what you do. This is not all you do. You're not absorbed entirely as you're a caregiver and nothing else. Okay. So this requires the healthy spouse to understand that you cannot be solely responsible for curing or controlling your spouse's mental health. It's not all Uh, on you. Like some of it, you just have to let them have it. Yeah. And Mm. of course, another key thing here is couples therapy. So joint therapy has been shown to be very helpful for for couples where one spouse is suffering from mental illness. This is one study from 98. There are other studies to support this. Joint marital counseling or therapy reduces symptoms for the mentally ill spouse and reduces the strain for the non-ill spouse. So really? This, is, this can help you guys manage this better. Like not everything can be fixed. Right. But can you cope you more effectively? Cope. Yeah. Can you increase your standard of living? Right? Okay. Reductions in mental illness are often fully caused by improvements in marital functioning caused by the joint therapy. That's what the research is uncovering. Wow. So couple therapy improves marital functioning and marital satisfaction, which in turn lowers the symptoms of the mental illness. Love is a powerful healing agent. Yeah, that is really cool. It is. Now, of course, marriage therapy is our specialty. If we can help you with that, please reach out to us through our website at onlyyouforever.com. That's all. That is all for today. We'd like to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We have Christine, Melissa, and Adam. So thank you. And we have a iTunes review. Yes. Wonderful guidance. Five stars. You go ahead. All right by Meg Dad. Over the last year, I have listened to this podcast and learned lots of useful things. The balance of research and practical application ideas is great. The interaction between the hosts is real and wonderful. They have taught me lots. Awesome. That's good to hear, Meg Dad. I love people's names that they come up with. Yeah. Anyways. That looks like an acronym though. I'm wondering what that... M-A-G, yeah. Next week, Verlinda, we're going to yes. talk about how one... Well, um, maybe next maybe week. Maybe next week. <laughs> how one kind of therapy actually impacts marriages. And basically what I'm doing here is I want to lift the hood on marriage counseling. So if you've ever wondered how it all works... Okay. That should be a fascinating show. Yeah, that'll be good. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 170. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. 
Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for smart people from only you forever. 